Can I just get one large coffee, please? It's on the house. On the house? Really? Wow. God must really love me. Like, he really does love me, doesn't he? <laughs> or not. Maybe God doesn't love me. Meet Debbie, an individual trapped by the belief that God's feelings for her are dictated by the circumstances around her. Debbie has no idea that God's heart for her will never change. So what needs to change in order for her to know that God loves her and cherishes her? Find out in the next few moments as we enter the Insanity Zone. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Insanity Zone week four. Are you guys excited? I'm super excited. We are looking at breaking out of the insane cycle of looking to your circumstances to determine how God feels about you. I call it the American gospel or the Western gospel, which is we say it a lot and you hear it is that if something good happens, then God is blessing you. But does that mean if something bad happens that he's cursing you? It goes both ways. You can't have one without the other. And not only that, but so many people think of God and they think when something bad or hard happens that God's punishing them, that they did something to deserve this, or if they didn't do something to deserve it. Why doesn't God intervene? It's those big questions. So after three weeks of incredibly heavy topics, I'm gonna lighten it up today and we're just gonna talk about pain and suffering. That's it. <laughs> now, we are, I have a great definition of pain that I wanted to start off with, and it's this. Pain, severe discomfort of a physical emotion or emotional nature, such as occurs when accidentally whacking your thumb with a hammer, being left by a lover, or having to suffer through the non-stop Christmas music that plays in retail establishments from the day after Halloween to December 24th. Anybody out there joining the pain with me? No, you're not spending enough time in stores. I worked in retail and I just about lost my mind every single day for what felt like forever. That is a definition of pain, but we asked you guys a question on social media and we had the biggest response we have ever had with a question and the question was this, what is the worst pain that you've ever experienced? And out of the two to 300 responses, I'm only gonna go through four, but if you're interested, please go to our social media, Facebook or um, Instagram page to read through all of those. So are you guys ready to see what your answers were? Let's look at one of them. This one, corneal ulcers in both eyes at the same time. It was worse than two C-sections. That is serious. The next one said this. This is a no-brainer, stepping on Legos with your bare feet. Yes. Parents, can I get an amen? Amen. Kidney stone, worse than childbirth. Which one, which I did three times, and I thought I was going to die. Now, this is what's interesting, that kidney stone and childbirth was like this. It was like, it was, no, it's kidney stones, no, it's childbirth, and then we got some women. This is a young woman who said, oh, no, kidney stones <laughs> takes it over childbirth. So there's a lot of pain with those two things. And the last one is, well, I'm a man. Let's just say the flu. 
One thing that we have learned just in your social media responses is that everyone experiences pain. It's not something that you can avoid. Everyone is challenged by trials, by suffering. And we didn't even get a chance to put up some of yours. I'm just so thankful because you really opened up. It's not just the physical pain. Sometimes the emotional pain is worse. Sometimes when you lose a loved one, And that kind of pain, that takes a lot longer to work through, and it changes you. And as we are going into dealing with pain, I want to just right off the bat say this. You need to stop comparing your pain with anybody else's. I read that list, and I started comparing my pain going, oh, no, I'm way bottom on the last here. I can't even get up and talk. But this is what I know, is that the pain that you're experiencing the challenge you're dealing with, the things that have happened to you or the things you've done to yourself, that's real. And it's your pain. And you can't compare it to anybody else. You're the one that has to deal with it. So right now we're going to lay the comparisons down because pain is pain across the board. And you're the one that has to deal with it. Now I have dealt with loss in my life. I've dealt with pain and challenges. And the last four years actually have been pretty tough. It has not been an easy four years in dealing with those types of things. And my latest challenge, I dealt with last summer. And last summer, I went to the doctor. I had some blood work done. And we finally, it was during the lockdown. It was right after the lockdown. I finally could go see what the results were. And when I went to the doctor's office, I sat down and she told me, that I had full-blown type 2 diabetes. And I remember feeling like, I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. I have what? I knew I wasn't feeling good, but I didn't think I was that sick. I actually thought I was just getting older and I was really stressed. That's what was going on in my body, which is true. However, type 2 diabetes. Now, my dad had type 2 diabetes, and he got it when he was 47. So when I looked back, as I drove away from the doctor's office, I was overwhelmed because I saw my dad struggle with type 2 diabetes, and I know that it is not something that you just stop dealing with. This is something you get to deal with for the rest of your life, every single day. And I saw him struggle with it up until the time he died, which was just about three years ago. And so I did what I always do when I face challenges like this. I go into denial mode hard. I do. I just, and I know this about, I just like, what I do with these big uncomfortable feelings like fear, sadness, being overwhelmed, like I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I can take those feelings, I shove them to the side and I get really busy. I go right to work. I'm going to give me a project to do because that's what I do. Because I know that about myself, um, it only takes me about two weeks these days to come out of denial. And it was maybe three weeks before I sat down with myself and said, okay, look, this is a reality in your life. This is something you can't ignore. What are you going to do with this? And how are you going to deal with it? Now, over the last few years, I've learned some really important things that have helped me deal with this challenge. And I'm still dealing with it. I'm really just at the very beginning of it. But these three things I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. Pain changes you. 
It changes you. I don't think I even need to convince you about that because you know you have things in your life that you say before this happened, I was this way and after I was this way. We know it changes our emotional landscape. But what we have now learned is that it isn't just the emotions that change. Pain actually changes the way your brain is wired. Your brain, when it, when it faces trauma, pain, suffering, or grief, actually creates new pathways. It's a part of the survival. There's a great book that's called The Body Keeps Score, and it is by Bessel van der Kolk. And he talks about this. This is what he says. He says that research from these new disciplines has revealed that trauma produces actual physiological changes including a recalibration of the brain's alarm system. It does this thing where now, because the brain is all about you surviving, you're gonna survive this. So now it has a, the threats, is that a threat? Is that a threat? Is that a threat? Your alarm system is heightened. It releases stress hormones more often. And then when you are dealing with something really difficult, your brain says, well, we need to be hyper alert to all the things that might be a danger. And suddenly you can't figure out what is important and what's not important because your brain is sending these things into your body. It's also, this is what he says. He says, we now know that trauma compromises the brain area that communicates the physical embodiment of being alive. That pain changes you. It isn't your imagination. You're not crazy. When we deal with pain, it actually changes who we are. And why does that help me? Because I've learned over the years that yes, pain changes me, but how it changes me, I get to have a say in that. That pain, I doesn't, because your brain, if it, your brain can change because of trauma, it can also change out of it. And just accepting that fact is really, really important. And it's not just, I mean, Pain changes how you see yourself. It changes how you see others, your relationship with other people, and it absolutely changes your relationship with God. Pain and suffering is the thing that when, you, when it comes to you and you are faced with it, maybe like me, you ask, where's God? A am I being punished for something? God, where are you in this? Because if if it is true that you're blessing me with these good things, does it mean you're punishing me for these bad things? And here's the thing is that people have been asking this question for thousands of years. In fact, Jesus had a conversation with people and answered this question in Luke 13. And this is what he did. So a group of people came to him and they talked to him about a political revolt. The Galileans had a revolt and were killed because of it. And they came and told him about the event, and he said, well, are, do you think that they were worse sinners than you, and that's why they were killed? And then he brought up a natural disaster, a natural, he said, a, a which I can't think of the word right now, a really big building fell on people. Tower? A tower? Is Tower of Siloam? A really big pe uh, building fell on people, killed 18 people, but do you think that they're worse sinners and God was punishing them? And he said this, no, and he said it twice, no. You need to change the way you think about God because that is not what God does. That is not 
what God feels. God does not use pain as punishment and he doesn't use death as judgment. And then he tells this story. I wanna show it to you. He says this. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So Jesus tells this story. And in this story, God is not the man who owns the orchard. God is the one who manages the orchard. He is the one that works with the fruit. He said, God is not somewhere who's far away punishing you or blessing you or causing these things to happen. God and Jesus says, when tragedy happens, he'll come close. And this is what I know about pain, is that just like a fig tree is meant to bear fruit, that's its purpose. You and I are created to be productive. We are created so that we can bring our own unique gifts as we reflect the image maker that created us and bring them into the world. But pain can paralyze you. Pain can make you feel like you're barren and you have nothing to give and you're like frozen in place. And this is what Jesus says. He says, what I'll do is when that happens, just give me, give me a little bit of time. Let me come close. Let me pull the weeds that are there. Let me dig around it. And not only that, I'm gonna fertilize it because God does not cause bad things to happen. Fertilizer happens. Take you a minute. Fertilizer happens. I, 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 in my own life, cause my own fertilizer. But God will use that if I ask him to come close and say, will you help me bear fruit once more? Will you help me deal with this pain? Will you come in close? And he says, yes, I'm gonna take the things in your life that are complete fertilizer and I'm gonna put it on you and I'm gonna use it to bring new life that you might be in a place in your life where you're, you're like, I feel dead inside. And Jesus says, will you give me some time? Let's use this thing that you feel has destroyed you. And we're gonna work it in and work it out and let it bring new life into you and through you because pain changes you. But so does love. And this is the picture of love. This is the picture of love that Jesus came to be. We say this often, Jesus is who God is like. And he came, change the way you think about God. He comes close when we are not being fruitful and he will use the fertilizer in our life to actually help us through because, and he says this in the book, yes, trauma changes the brain, but we can reverse it. Your brain keeps changing, there's hope. So that's the first thing, is that yes, pain changes you. The second thing is, I don't have to go through pain alone. I don't have to go through pain alone. 
when I'm facing this type two diabetes and this overwhelming task before me of changing so many parts of my life, I don't have to go through it alone. And for a long time, I thought I did. I just thought I had to pull up my boots and I had to get in there and I had to do the best I can. I've lived long enough to know that don't work. I actually can't do it by myself. So when I was finally out of denial and standing before God, I said, here's the deal. Jesus, I can't do this without you. I've failed. I've tried to get healthy. I've tried to change. I've tried to slow down. I got no power here and I need yours. I need your help. I cannot do this alone. And God promises that he'll be with us in the trials. In fact, there's a beautiful poem, a beautiful promise in Isaiah where God himself says this. It's Isaiah 43:1. But now this is what the Lord says who created you. And he said this to his people. Jacob, he who formed you. Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. For I, I have summoned, summoned you by name and you are mine. And then he makes the promise. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I want to show you, he doesn't say if. He says when. When you pass through the rivers, it's going to be cold. The you know, current is going to make you feel like it's going to sweep you away. But he says, but it won't, because I'm going to be right there holding on to you. He says, when you walk through the fire, it's going to get hot. The fire and furnace of adversity is difficult, and it is overwhelming. And he says, but I'm going to meet you right there in it, and it's not going to destroy you. It's not going to burn you up. In fact, I remember a couple months into my journey, I wrote myself a note to remind me of this fact. Note to self, you're going through a major life transformation, completely changing your diet and lifestyle and dealing with the reality of a disease that is said to only get worse. You're allowed to be sad and overwhelmed some days. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. You can do this. You are going to feel sad and overwhelmed, but it's not gonna destroy you. And how did God keep this promise? He made this promise to one people, but he kept this promise for all people. In fact, the whole entire New Testament is his answer to this promise. He kept the promise through Jesus. He sent Jesus as the actual embodiment of God being with us. And what did Jesus do when he was with us? Did he was born in a palace and he made decisions and he ruled over it. No, he walked the streets with us. He said, this is what God is like. And he, I mean, he was born into a human body and he inhabited humanity and he tripped and fell and he grew up and he learned a career and he walked with people and he wept when people he loved died. And not only did he just suffer with us, he took our suffering on himself and chose to go to the cross, chose to take our suffering, chose to be in it with us. God literally 
kept his promise through Jesus. And that brings me to my third thing that I've learned that helps me deal with this. And that's that the proof of God's love for me is the cross. It's just the cross. I don't have to question every time something happens, every time I come upon a challenge, uh, when somebody gets sick, when I get sick, I don't have to question, does God love me? Because I already know God loves me. The proof of it is on the cross. I have to look back. I don't have to look around. I don't have to think that's gonna change. In fact, the proof is God's love for me, not my circumstances, even the ones I cause myself. You know, that's why this is hard, is because I don't love myself. I think I deserve punishment. I have a hard time really going, well, girl, that was a bad decision, but you're gonna be okay. Because, but God's, the proof of God's love for me, it's not my circumstances, it's the cross. And in 1 John 4, the apostle John says it this way. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He lived through us and he lived through our suffering. He even lived through our death. He lived and then he goes, I'm gonna give you my life, my strength, my courage as you live. And it says this. The next verse says this, this is love, this is love. What is love? This is love, not that we loved God. I'm so glad that my life doesn't depend on my feelings, how I feel about God or myself. That the solid ground that I can stand on when I feel like I'm in an earthquake of pain is that it's not that I love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, what does that word atoning mean? That word is a word that means to reconcile, like reconciling a debt, or when you make a relationship right, you do whatever needs to make a relation, you need to do to make a relationship right. And that atoning sacrifice, that reconciling a debt, and I don't know about you, but have you ever had a big amount, a huge debt, Like you had this one credit card that had a really high interest on it and no matter what you did, it was like you could not pay it off, you could not pay it off, you could not pay it off. And maybe you got an inheritance or you got a new job and you were able to start working on paying that off. And then the last time you paid off that bill, the last time you got that big bear of a weight off of your shoulders and you knew you'd never have to pay it again, that's a good feeling, isn't it? I don't have to deal with that anymore. I don't have to get the bills anymore. I can cut that credit card up and never use it again. It is reconciled. The debt is reconciled. And this is what Jesus did for you and me. He reconciled our debt to God and he reconciled our relationship. And guess what? Good news, you don't owe him anything. You don't have to get better. You don't have to keep paying the bill because he reconciled it forest. He atoned for our sins. And he said, from now on, you can know God loves you. God will be with you. You don't have to do this alone. And then a couple of verses later, he says this. I love this. This is first John four sixteen. This really, really simple verse. And so we know and rely 
on the love that God has for us. A couple weeks ago, I was getting ready and I was kind of gathering things for this sermon and I just looked at this verse and I was like, do I know? I know this love. I know this love that, you know, when we talk about love, it's like, well, maybe it was easy. It's easy for God to love us because he is love. God's love, you know, it sounds like it's weak because God just loves. And what does that mean? And it's like really hard to wrap your brain around it, right? But I can tell you that when you stand at the cross and you look at what Jesus did for you, you can't say God's love is weak because he chose to enter into our suffering and then to die for us. And then he defeated death from the inside out and rose again on the third day because he wasn't okay with you and I you and me being separated from God. He said, you need God, I need God, but you're separated. I'm gonna make sure that that doesn't happen and I love you so much that I'm gonna feel your pain. That Jesus actually knows how you feel when you deal with betrayal, when you deal with unjust punishment. I mean, that's the worst, isn't it? Isn't it? It's like, well, if I deserved it, it's one thing, but I didn't deserve for this to happen. You know, Jesus knows exactly how you feel because he didn't deserve to be whipped and hung on a cross. He was innocent. Why did he do it for love? He did it for love. Do we know this love? Do you know this love today? If you don't, today can be the day that you walk out of here knowing without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you and you don't have to question it anymore for the rest of your life. Because the proof isn't what happens to you or what somebody else does to you or if good things or bad things happen to you. The proof is the cross of Jesus. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. My question is maybe you know this love. Maybe you've been in church for years. Maybe it's something that you've just taken for granted and you get kind of caught up in the everyday things and then something happens and you get shocked by an illness. Or maybe you're sucked into grief and you feel like you can't get out. And what do we do when we face pain? We go with our coping mechanisms. Maybe instead of relying on God's love for you, you've started to rely on some of your old coping mechanisms and they're not serving you. Maybe they're hurting you. Today, I want you to know that this is God's heart for our lives every single day. When we feel good, when we feel bad, when we're having a great day like Kristen did, I got a free coffee, and then two minutes later it dropped. Oh, the emotions are there. But you don't have to doubt that God loves you. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us no matter what happens. What are the three things? They're this. The first one is this, pain changes you, but so does love. How do you deal with pain? How do you deal with suffering? Have you asked God to come into it, to come close? And maybe you didn't even know that was an option. Maybe you were afraid to ask God to help because you were pretty sure he's punishing you. 
He's not. That is not who God is. That is not what Jesus is like. That is not who he is for you. He is for you. He wants to heal you and to walk through the human experience with all of it that comes along with it. Pain changes you, but so does love. And today may be the day for you that you can enter into a place where you can ask for help because you don't have to walk through it alone. You don't have to walk through it alone. And you're not meant to. We are people made in the image of God that need God and need each other. It isn't just walking in alone by our buyer. That's that isolation that makes us really get stuck. That's the isolation that we discover that, man, I just, I can't get out of it. And Jesus says, will you give me some time? Just invite me and I'm gonna come close. Let's pull some weeds. Let's do some work. I wanna get my hands, and get his hands dirty in your life. Cause he's not afraid of the fertilizer. You may be, but he's not afraid of it. He's gonna get in there and he's gonna work it and he's gonna work you and he's gonna bring you back to life. You do not have to do it alone and you're not supposed to. And the third thing is this. The proof of God's love for you is the cross, not your circumstances. You don't have to ask that question anymore. And you know, God made that promise in Isaiah to one people so that Jesus could make that promise to all people. He said, I died. What, did, what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to what? To save the world, to be the savior of the world that whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in him, whoever turns to him will be saved. That's you. Do you know that's you? Do you know that you have a father in heaven who looks down on you and loves you and wants to get close to you and wants to help you? Do you know you don't have to do it alone? Do you know that the proof of God's love is the cross, not your circumstances? So whenever I feel challenged, or when I'm dealing with the pain and the reality of pain in my life, does it make it easy? No. Does it mean that I'm like, Charging the hill. Yes, now I have Jesus. I can just do anything. No, now I'm like, yes, I have Jesus. I can do tomorrow. <laughs> I can deal with the challenge. You don't, I don't know, like when you're in a place of dealing with pain and change and it's transforming you and you're asking God, please transform me through this instead of it transforming me into someone I don't even recognize. Can you use this thing in me to help me become who you created me to be, not what the pain wants to create me to be? I wanna be who you created me to be. And if you're dealing with that, you just take it one day at a time. I have far off, what, how's today? And you know, some days I'm doing good and I feel good. And other days I'm sad and I'm overwhelmed. And I ask Jesus to come close and use, and you know, I make my own bad choices. It's not other people, it's fertilizer that's all over me. Sometimes it's mine. And God still loves me because I know and rely on the love that God has for me. Not even the love that I have for him, especially not the love that I have for myself.
You know what's crazy is that how, if you've ever seen a toddler and you watch them take their first steps, it's amazing. I have two boys and they both learn to walk completely differently. And my oldest started walking at 10 months and started running at 11 months. It was exhausting. And then my second, my second born son, he took his first step and he fell down. And then he got back up and he took his next step and he fell down. And then he, he did that for three days. He kept falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up. And I was just like, wow, look at the courage of this kid. He decided it was time to walk and he was just gonna keep falling down until he figured it out. And three days later, he walked and he never crawled again. But when you watch a toddler fall and get hurt, they instinctively know who to turn to. They turn to a loving parent. They run to them and they say, they don't say anything, they're crying. But as a parent, you know, you take them into their arms, you hold them. They just wanna be comforted. They wanna know you're there, that they're not alone in their pain. This is who Jesus said God is like. He's a loving parent. That when you fall and you hurt yourself, when you feel like you can't even get up, all you have to do is turn towards God and run into his arms that are open wide for you. And the furnace of adversity, there's another in the fire and he's there for you. Joy come every bow. 
close your eyes and just shut everything else out. We have a couple minutes. And I want to invite you to take this time to invite Jesus in to wherever you're at. Because just like a toddler runs to a loving parent, Jesus is ready to run to you. He's ready to meet you right in the middle of it. With your eyes closed, if you're here today and you just need Jesus, you need to know this love, just join me in this prayer, this simple prayer. Jesus, I can't do this without you and I don't wanna do it anymore. I need you. And if today you're here and you're not relying on God, not on the love he has for you, you're relying on all these other things and you're exhausted, all you have to do is turn to him and say, God, remind me every day how much you love me. And when I forget, help me look to the cross to know your love is not weak. Your love is strong. And I need your strong love right now because I am weak. Come rescue me. Jesus, I thank you for your word, for your heart, for your life for your death and for your resurrection, that we can have hope, we can unlock hope in the pain of suffering because we don't walk through it alone, because your power meets us right where we need it. So I pray, God, for everyone within the sound of my voice that you will come close to them and give them the courage to lay down their old coping mechanisms and lean into your love. Show them who you are in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.